Have you ever wondered how deep tech companies actually start? Well, we were too. So in this podcast, we'll be interviewing scientists and entrepreneurs that have taken their ideas out of the lab and turned them into startups. I'm Antonia. And I'm Christina. And this is Startup the Science. This podcast is brought to you by Enam Berlin, the innovation network for advanced materials, bringing together the brightest minds in material science. Visit us at enam.berlin. On today's episode of Startup the Science, we're talking to Dominic Roth. He is the CEO and co-founder of Stenon, a really cool agritech startup from right here in Germany. We're very excited to have you, and we're looking forward to hearing more about your startup um, and the very interesting things that you guys do. So maybe we'll we'll start with that. If you want to tell us a bit more about Stenon and how it all started. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks, thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be on your podcast. So. What we are doing at Stenon is that we have developed a technology to enable soil analysis in real time. Um, and why should anyone care about that? So basically, uh, soil analysis is a very fundamental step in agriculture, meaning that um, basically everything that is based on um, the steps behind that, meaning that fertilization, um, putting out the seeds, uh, irrigation, so all of that is basically based on the soil analysis. And that is currently happening via uh, extracting a physical sample out of the ground and basically sending that into a laboratory to be analyzed. Um, and then this report is ultimately sent back to a farmer. And all of this can take uh, up to eight weeks, sometimes even 12 weeks, um, whereas the farmer is actually very limited um, in when he can act based on the legislation that is uh, happening in Germany. And we basically uh, cut off all of this and give him a really smart device into his hand that he just sticks into his ground, pushes a button, and gets the same result that he would get from a laboratory, but just immediately. And based on that, uh, we're enabling services, meaning that we actually help him uh, make the right decisions, uh, put on the right amount of fertilizer in the right space, to uh, increase his harvest results, uh, increase his soil health, and be within the legal limits. So this is what we do in short. Mm -hmm. That sounds very cool. I mean, I have to admit, I don't know so much about agriculture, but um, I remember the, the first time we met and you showed me this device and I thought, it probably is very impressive. And if I were a farmer, or if I think of the farmers that I've met throughout my life, I can imagine it makes their life a lot easier. Um, so I wanted to ask you, how come something like this, or has something like this already been developed? Is this market somewhat competitive, or is the only way for farmers now to get the soil analysis to send their samples to a lab and then wait for eight weeks? So currently, as a valid method, um, sending into a laboratory is really the only way. But uh, the market for technologies to analyze soil in real time or um, yeah, producing other methods to do that is becoming increasingly competitive, I would say. Um, the issue with that is really that it's, uh, soil is one of the most complex um, organisms on Earth, which makes it extremely hard um, to create a technology around it and to be able to create a measurement that is really on a, on a level, level uh, of, a, of a laboratory. Because in the end, this is what you need, uh, because if you base your... Uh, steps that you take on top of these results, uh, they better be accurate. Um, otherwise, you can uh, yeah, risk your whole harvest, and this is uh, not a very good idea. Um, so 
we see some companies that are also trying to do what we do. Um, luckily, uh, we are fairly ahead of them, I would say, in, in the tech, um, which doesn't mean that our device is right now completely finalized. We're still um, in development of some parts, but uh, we're actually conducting um, on a daily basis currently about uh, 1,500 measurements in our uh, research lab, um, and we see that is fairly going to the right direction, and we are pretty confident that we can deliver the uh, result quality that the farmer would need um, to then ultimately he doesn't need to send in anything anymore. That sounds super cool. And it's a relatively small device, right? So do you mind going a bit into the technology of it and explaining how it works, how a yeah, relatively small thing can do the same thing as a, as a lab, pretty much? Yeah, of course. So basically... Um, the device that, that you've seen last time, it, it has changed a little bit, a bit bigger okay. now, but <laughs> you know, it's, um, from, from a size perspective, um, you can, uh, it, it's about the size of a shovel, uh, I would say. So, and it, and it looks kind of like a, a shovel. So if you go to our website, um, you can see that it's uh, basically a stick that you can, uh, it has a sensor head um, mm -hmm. at, at the bottom that you can push into the soil. So what we are doing, and not going too deep into our IP because it's uh, still fairly um, uh, also, also under the radar, I would say. So what we're doing in, in a high-level description is we are fusing different measuring principles in a very uh, dense area together. So basically, and coming back to the complexity of the soil itself, um, there's, there's so many parameters in the, in the nutrients and there's, uh, there's other material like stones, like... Uh, like worms, like everything is coming together in the soil, which makes it extremely complex to measure. And if you, for example, only take one kind of sensor, uh, you will have extreme offsets and chaotic offsets in the end that you cannot um, calculate out anymore. So what we are doing is we are combining different measuring principles that in part have some overlapping uh, results that we actually create a autonomously calibrating uh, sensor fusion system that is then funneling a very uh, yeah, broad um, wavelength spectrum into our cloud that we then analyze and as a secondary information uh, we then come to the um, to the nutrients for example or other parameters so it's a it's a, a multiple steps and fairly complex system in itself um, and this is what makes it exciting also I would say because it's uh, on, on different levels we're facing um, on the one hand side uh, yeah large large challenges but on the other hand side if we if we can solve them it's a super great advantage for uh, the parties involved and do I understand correctly so you develop obviously the device and also the software that goes with it that then the farmers use or who would who would use the software uh, we develop both so uh, to be fair, not every sensor component that we use is developed by us because that doesn't necessarily make any sense. So we don't have to uh, reinvent the, the wheel in every regard. So, um, but on the other side, we also actually develop sensor components ourselves that are not existing um, in the way that we would need that in regards to uh, robustness, for example. So um, if you would just take a pH electrode just an, as an example, um, that's currently a glass electrode. If you want to put that in the agricultural space and where, you know, the, the handling might be a bit uh, robust and there's stones in the ground, 
and everything. So this is completely not usable in that uh, in that vertical. So we are um, obviously aiming our uh, sensor system to be extremely robust and therefore also developing our own uh, sensor components. The software is also developed by us in the end because there's nothing um, that we could uh, use as a, as a starting point um, for that or I source uh, the software uh, from third parties because that's so new that there's not really uh, yeah, a basis around that. I mean, for of course, we, we do use stuff like uh, uh, mapping from, from Google, stuff like that that we don't have to develop. But in terms of uh, all of the, the data models and the, the soil models and the models for the, the, the plant biology, that's all um, developed by us um, in our team. So we'll get back to the technology and the startup a little bit more later, but I kind of wanted to backtrack a little bit and kind of ask you about you, um, because you yourself, I mean, you sound pretty young. <laughs> you don't sound like a very old farmer. So I kind of want to know how you got <laughs> into um, agriculture technology. So coming to uh, agriculture completely by accident, I would say. So I have no relation to <laughs> agriculture before that whatsoever. So no hands-on farming experience whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes you don't need that to create innovation <laughs> for, for a space and have some fresh eyes on a problem that someone would say, okay, we have done this uh, forever. It's okay, but actually not okay. So even though coming from a more um, yeah, uh, rural area in Germany where agriculture is uh, more of a topic, uh, like I said, no relations to agriculture before uh, the company. Um, but um, all of the, the, the skill set that uh, one would need and in, in, in what we're doing here at the company, um, I've done in, in multiple occasions at other startups that were uh, VC-backed with large funding rounds at uh, consulting firms um, for optimizing processes in large NASDAQ uh, uh, listed companies um, to uh, digitization consulting for uh, corporates uh, here in Berlin also. So um, there we actually have been spinning off um, startups for them, um, creating the teams, setting up the, the structures, setting up the operations, setting up marketing, setting up sales. So all of that that you would need for um, creating a business. So this knowledge was there, I would say. So um, coming then to the agricultural space, which is, uh, turns out an extremely interesting uh, space and, um, and the, the interest in that is just getting larger every day because if you if you look at the uh, the macro trends of uh, the growth of population, and if you really look into what's actually happening in agriculture, where you can just shake your head sometimes, because uh, in the end, these uh, the, the 10 billion people that will live on the planet in 2050, they will have to eat something, right? And there's actually right now, there's already uh, more than 800 million people undernourished uh, on the planet and this will just get worse. And if we don't create technology around that, you know, we're on a very uh, bad path, I would say. And it's a really exciting topic to work on technology that will actually help solving a real-world problem. And that's just, um, and yeah, like I said, an extremely exciting thing. And um, working in food and agri-tech is just uh, very fulfilling also. So it's not just the technology that we create that's super exciting, but also... 
um, yeah, creating something that can have a, a real value down the line. And that's pretty cool. I can imagine that. And are there plans? Because right now you're you're based in Berlin and you're, uh, from what I understand, that's that's also your market, right? Germany and maybe a bit beyond that. Are you looking at developing countries or potentially bringing your technology to parts of the world that might need it the most? Um, in the in the midterm, definitely. So the, uh, the technology will probably have to change a little bit for that. So our core focus right now um, is actually Western Europe, um, but also USA and um, in Asia is extremely interesting to us. But actually, developing countries is a is an extremely big part, I would say, of of the overall picture. Because if we're speaking about um, you know the the infrastructure of laboratories here, and it's just taking too long, and the result is not good enough. Um, that problem is completely different in developing countries because they don't even have a laboratory to send something to, you know. And uh, if you if you can make them uh, independent of of this uh, non-existent infrastructure and give them something into their hands to really efficiently um, cultivate what they have, then it's, that's a pretty cool thing. Um, but this will probably not be a huge uh, revenue driver, uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to, I would say, because um also want to, to help uh, in other countries that, um, you know, and maybe not as advanced yet, but um, mm -hmm. that can have a real big impact on them too. Maybe to go back again to, to you and to your background, can you tell us a bit more about, um, so you came to agriculture by accident almost, um, and you mentioned a bit already what you're what you worked uh, in before. But do you want to give us an idea of your um, educational background and also what jobs, companies you had before, Stanon? Absolutely. So I'm an industrial engineer by studies. So a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in uh, industrial engineering. Um, there's not a really good translation, actually, to, to what it actually is. You can call it business engineering. Um, yeah, there's a a term for that in German called Wirtschaftsingenieurwesen, so it's not uh, really existent in, in English. Um, and um, yeah, I've, I've basically chosen this this path, um, which is now already a bit uh, uh, back in the day, but I, I wanted to be in between business uh, and tech. So um, I was always really interested in technologies, but I was um, maybe not as talented <laughs> in, in stuff okay. that I would... <laughs> I would have to have to know there. I um, always wanted to focus more on the on the business side of things, but also having a, a good understanding of what's actually happening in technology. And I think um, now looking back, this was a, a pretty good decision. But uh, because if you only do the business part, you might not really understand what's happening on the on the technology side, um, and vice versa. So um, yeah, studied that in my in my bachelor's. Afterwards, um, I went to a, a consultancy that was um, yeah, focused on uh, process engineering and process optimization. And there I was in, in projects in Germany, in France, in Switzerland uh, for smaller companies, for larger companies, for really uh, optimizing their product flow and their manufacturing sites, um, for making stuff more efficient, for reducing waste, um, stuff like that, which was a really great learning, I would say you really uh, have to understand how uh, processes work, how a manufacturing plant works, how you can um, yeah, reduce bottlenecks, um, stuff like that. Really interesting. But in the end, you always take small steps 
which was uh, not really uh, not not interesting. But um, I, I saw myself somewhere else. I wanted to create more uh, leaping uh, steps and and greater technologies. I would say, which I uh, then chose to go to Berlin. Um, also do a master's degree in industrial engineering, more focused again on the business side and get into the startup scene where really disruptive technology is uh, is created at the end of the day. And um, I went to a travel tech startup into their business development team first. Um, and I've really seen um, how a great company is created and how uh, yeah a company is growing um, on the one hand side based on the demand of the market, on the other side uh, financed by venture capital which I had not seen before that. So if, if you come from a small area, southwest in Germany, you have no touch points for venture capital at all. So this was really interesting. And actually out of that company um, was a was a spin-off created um, that was taking the technology that was used in the first company and brought into other verticals, which was also extremely interesting. And um, had some some amazing growth in that team as well. We had a, a, yeah, a, a nice team structure in itself, but... Um, I wanted to uh, kind of combine the knowledge of the startup and of the corporate consulting into one. And this is why I went um, to my next job in the, in the digitization consultancy where this was really brought together. So we had uh, basically the, the startup mindset of, uh, you know, trying, iterating, testing things, going to market, um, failing, and then, you know, iterating into something that really works combined with um, the, the knowledge I had from consulting to corporates and what the issues is with that, reporting to the board uh, and slow processes and stuff like that. So this was a really good combination of the of the learnings I had um, until then. This is why I chose to go there. And then ultimately, um, which led to the, the founding of, uh, of our company, is that um, a friend reached out to me uh, via our network, uh, or our together network or shared network, um, and said, hey, I'm working on, on a technology for analyzing soil. And I was like, okay, uh, sure, I, we, can, we can look into that. And the, the initial idea of that was actually um, to validate or to find out if there's anything behind that. So the, the intention when we started talking about this was not even, okay, we're, we're going to found a company uh, together in a few months and uh, raise a bunch of money and, and try to make this work. This was really just, um, you know, is, is there something or is there not something? So Niels, my co-founder, and uh, actually turned into my best friend, who's a really great guy. Uh, technology is like, a, yeah, it's a super romantic. Story, you know? <laughs> it's amazing. That's amazing. So we, we, we sat together and, like, he, he was just the smartest guy I've ever talked to in regards to um, sensitive development and technology. I was really amazed by that. And uh, we've looked into what he's developed so far, and we wanted to to see if there's a market for that, or if that's just a nice to have technology that would not make any difference down the line. And um, when we looked into that, we just seen uh, on the one side it's like extremely old-fashioned way how it's done today, uh, compared with a huge demand in the market to actually change that, and that combined with a with a, um, a path of a technology that we've seen that we can actually solve this problem. Um, it was so exciting that we decided to uh, basically quit our jobs and, and start the company, uh, which was in retrospect, um, you know, absolutely insane, I would say. But, but uh, uh, now it's the right decision. Um, 
and yeah, we, we, we started the company, bootstrapped it for, uh, for a while, which is very hard in a, in a sensor space or hardware um, environment because you need a lot of money to uh, even create a prototype. And um, yeah, we, we went to an accelerator first, uh, got some initial funding from them, which was uh, not a lot, but, but uh, kept us alive and kept us going. And then uh, we found investors. Uh, that believed in our our technology and our team and what we are planning to do and um, yeah, grown to about ten people now and um, going strong. <laughs> That's amazing. <Wow. laughs> I'm very impressed. It's a very nice story. You also got a best friend out of it, so that's lovely. And did I understand correctly that you're also hiring? Um, I see some open positions on your website. How is that going? Yeah, so we are hiring. So if anyone's hearing the podcast <laughs> and is interested um, in, in joining this, uh, this rocket ship, uh, feel free to reach out to me directly or via uh, uh, our application site or career site. So we are still um, focused on technologies in hiring. So everything from front-end developers, back-end developers, also data engineers, um, we're actively looking for, for these people and looking for, um, you know, the best of the best, like everybody is. Um, but we're also um, looking to hire into marketing and sales and operations within the next three to four months, I would say. Um, we're also looking uh, to raise another round of, of money within this year and summer. Um, so if there's any investors who might be interested uh, in that, uh, please also feel free to reach out to me um, because we are really seeing um, yeah, the parameters taking in the right direction in any regard. And therefore, we've decided with our current investors to um, yeah, make the round of, of, uh, of financing earlier than we actually wanted to. And um, yeah, we, we aim to um, yeah, hire maybe about 10 people in the next uh, six months. Wow. How old is your startup? Not even a year. <laughs> so uh, we've, uh, we founded uh, the company in April 2018, but we've worked on it prior to that. So um, from, a, from a legal perspective, we are uh, not even a year old, but uh, I would say in, in total, we've been working on this for, I don't know, more than a year. But it's still fairly fairly young. Wow, that's incredible. Okay, so yes, what's been the most challenging aspect for you and for Stenon um, in the last, say, year <laughs> that you've been active? Yeah, well, there's, uh, wow, I think there's, there's challenges every day, but, um, you know, it's also exciting to, to tackle them, but starting with uh, financing of the company, which is um, out of our own pockets with of course, not have been possible at all. Um, so finding investors was, of course, a big step to take. And there's, um, you know, like huge competition for the funds um, for for uh, financing seed rounds and, and getting the first steps. And and especially if you have a hardware company, um, actually, I, I see it as a data company, um, not as a hardware company, but still you have some, some hardware component in that. Um, which most of the VCs or investors drop out because uh, their thesis is based around software, then um, you're playing in, a, in an agricultural space, which in Germany might not play a, a big a role as uh, mobility or um, you know, uh, automation maybe of, of production, stuff like that. So we had a, a lot of stuff that was going against us, but uh, luckily we, we were able to find 
uh, amazing investors, uh, VC called Atlantic Labs and some private investors that help us in any regard. Uh, very, very great people and very great investors. So this was a huge challenge um, to start with. And then um, a big challenge is uh, actually finding the right people to, um, to pull this off, uh, which we have also been quite successful with. But um, it's a huge challenge to, um, uh, you know, um, get the people on board, get the right people on board and in the speed that you need them. Uh, when you're in competition with the Zalandos and Facebooks of the world where everybody wants to work. Um, so for a, for a very small company, that's always um, hard. And then, of course, uh, technical challenges. Um, you know, it's, it was even a challenge to, uh, to get an office if you don't... Uh, if, if you're not like a, a company that has been existing for 10 years and has a, a solid uh, revenue stream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so every day is a fight, but it's, a, it's, it's an awesome fight and it's uh, very exciting and it's a lot of fun. Um, but it's also a, a up and down roller coaster. So, um, yeah, for sure. Let's think about the future now. What do you think the company will look like in let's say a year from now. It's a good question. So we we plan to to go to market um, with like in, in January 2020. So we're still uh, completely under development. We do have some live test farms that are using our technologies, but it's not in a in a sales mode yet. I would say so. In a year, we are on the market um, probably in. Uh, Germany, um, France, and Ukraine. Um, why those markets? Because we already have uh, some some distribution partners in that in that market. Um, I would assume that we are um, yeah have grown a lot again. Uh, have some substantial revenues, um, and um, at the end of the day, are making farmers happy, uh, which is <laughs> which is the uh, the biggest part of it, and really helping them on their cultivation. And um, yeah, it's hard to predict what, what happens in a year um, or, or in five years or in 10 years. It's certainly uh, impossible, but uh, we will be on the market. Um, we will have substantial share um, in, the, in the whole system um, and we will uh, be an amazing company. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Of course. Okay, so if we were to sum up uh, most of the things that we've covered so far, what would you say the top two or top three things that Stena needs right now are? One part would be uh, the people. So um, a lot of great um, talent that can come join our company and come help us to achieve our goals. So um, we need a lot more of those. Um, second thing would be, um, I've mentioned that we are uh, doing a, a new round of funding uh, within this year. So if, uh, like I said, investors want to reach out, we're happy with them and then the third part really is, is partnerships so that can be in any regard from uh, production partnerships um, for helping us creating or producing um, the first units um, to sourcing components to getting the supply chain in order I mean we do have already some partners that we speak to but the, the deal on those regards not closed yet so we're happy to speak in that regard so uh, in conclusion um, it's people it's funding and it's partnerships um, that we're looking for. Um, and if anyone is interested in learning more about that or uh, feels that one of the one of the three points might fit uh, for a conversation, uh, everybody can um, go to our website, that's uh, stenon.io, or reach me directly uh, via Dominic uh, 
rothrch at standard.io, also on findable on the website, or I'm assuming that you will put uh, the contract uh, in the show notes also. And um, yeah, happy to to uh, pick up conversation. Yes. To all who are listening, you can find Stenon's website and email in the description. Thank you so much for speaking with us today, Dominic. It was wonderful to have you. And uh, yeah, super interesting. I don't think we knew so much about agritech Agri-tech. before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Um, hope that uh, we get some, some interest uh, raised in, in people and it was really fun talking to you and sharing our story and uh, sharing info about the company. Um, yeah, so thanks for having me. Thank, Thank you. We'll be in touch. Thanks for listening to Startup the Science. If you like our show and want to know more about what we do, check out our website at enum.berlin. And don't forget to leave us a review. Until next time.